Hi, this is Eddie Beeson. You're listening to Breaking the Fourth Wall. I was Mandark in Dexter's laboratory. Ha 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 You are listening to Breaking the Fourth Wall on Realm of the Mist Entertainment. Hey guys, welcome to Breaking the Fourth Wall Journal of the Jedi Edition. I told you guys we would still be doing all this type of cool shit like Star Wars. Just doing it our way. (laughs) Joining me tonight is the Empress of the Darkness. And if you don't believe me, just ask Darth Plagueis. Miss Wren. Hey everyone. Or should it be Darth Wren? Master Wren. Master Wren. <laughs> well, my my Sith name is Bader, so you can call me Lord Bader, Master Bader. <laughs> but I'm bumps. Well, yeah. <laughs> oh wow! Shouldn't have taken a sip of soda while laughing. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um. So yeah, uh, there's a lot of Star Wars rumors going around, spitting around. Uh, but the first topic of conversation Ren and I wanted to get into, and I figured this is the juiciest one before we get into the rumor mill, is uh, plain and simple, we are four or five episodes in of the new Star Wars Bad Batch series. And first and foremost, Ren, what is your impression of it? We'll, we'll, we'll dig into detail, but what's your overall impression so far of the Bad Batch and what it's bringing to the Star Wars mythos? Um, overall, I like I, I think it's um, it's an interesting take on a group of people who are living during a period of time that has such um, tension in the genre. Um, it's literally um, during the juiciest part of Order 66. Right. And, and shortly thereafter, Order 66. And what I really liked about it in the beginning was the confusion. Um, You know, as soon as the order was given and the Jedi were being killed by the troops and meanwhile the Bad Batch, because of reasons, um, they were just as surprised as everyone else and they had no idea what was going on and literally their world was just coming down around them. And one thing I really liked about it is they drilled a little on the hard side that, you know, these clone troops have been working with the Jedi for years at this point. And, um, I mean, they, they were their trusted leaders. And I thought, well, that makes a lot of sense as to why the Jedi were so easily taken out, for the most part, by the clone troopers is because of that connection. It's because they worked with these people for so many years. And um, then all of a sudden, you know, snap, and they're being fired at. And I think it was that that shock and that um, emotional pain uh, that just probably froze them in their tracks just for the tiniest split seconds. And that's really all you need when you're being shot up at multiple people. So um, I, I thought that answered a burning question I had over why Order 66 would have 
worked um, because really, given the Jedi's ability to sense things, um, you know, would it have been as successful as it was? And I think that piece of information really helped give it a little bit more um, realism, which is nice. But there's something a little hollow feeling about the Bad Batch overall. And I I can't quite put my finger on it. I really don't know quite what it is. There's just something about it that feels a little, not necessarily empty, but a little hollow, if that makes any sense. Like like there's a piece of the puzzle missing. I've kind of had the same impression uh, as you. I've been watching the episodes, and I'll be honest with you, one of my favorite characters in the show is Wrecker. I, I, he's comedy relief, but he, he, I, I thoroughly enjoy seeing him on screen and, and watching his interactions, especially with like characters like Omega, who honestly is my least favorite character in the series. And quite honestly, in any of the animations, uh, Star Wars animation shows, I don't like Omega, but I think Omega is ma- the main point of the the hollowness that you're talking about is because there's so little known about her now understand when i say i don't like omega it isn't because she's a female clone or anything else but the thing is is that uh to give an example in the star wars comics the current canon comic books there is a character i cannot stand not because she isn't a well fleshed fleshed out character but she feels like a call a comic book character in a star wars mythos and that's dr afra I don't like Afra because Afra does not feel Star Wars to me. I think Omega is the exact same thing to me in the fact that she feels like a Disney princess screwing everything up in a Star Wars world. Now, to be fair, they haven't fleshed out her story, her story arc, her background, why she's a female clone of Jango Fett. You know, all those things haven't been revealed yet, so I'm hoping that story will will change my opinion of the character. But as the character is right now, she feels like she does not belong to me. And I think that might be part of the hollowness you're feeling is because of the fact that we're kind of centering around this kid that just really has no background story and doesn't at, at the at moment at present doesn't really make sense to the Star Wars mythos. Maybe that's it. Maybe um I mean I, I like the mystery part of it. I like how um they can take that and then build upon it, you know, and eventually hopefully the mystery will be given to us uh what she is all about. Um I think, though, the feeling of hollowness I'm getting, though, is how she's written. Um, There's a lack of emotionalness with that character that I just, um, I'm struggling to feel it because I know I'm supposed to feel it. I know (laughs) the whole story is about these group of soldiers because of fate they're now in the rung and they have run and have this young child with them who is completely clueless about everything including dirt yeah <laughs> and they're trying to keep her alive basically and, that, um, and that's kind of that's kind of the point like how she interacts with things like dirt feels very you know fish out of water typical disney story like i look at her and i see tangled 
You know what I mean? I don't I don't see somebody who exists in the Star Wars mythos. I see somebody who exists in a tower waiting for her prince to come. Yeah, and I, I think maybe the, the Star Wars universe is filled with characters that when you're first introduced to them, with rare exception, they have already been through the mill. Like, they have already pretty crazy life experiences I mean when you think of Anakin the kid version of Anakin child Anakin well by the time you first meet that character I mean his mother is a slave but he's already building robots right and and like he he's already doing things in that universe and has stories of his own and experiences and is almost a hardened character by then in a way um and now all of a sudden we're, we're given this other character and she um, is by design though in a tower. You know, she was raised on the spaceship, never left the spaceship and was um, coddled and protected and kept so bubble-ified. <laughs> um, she just feels so totally different than anything else, um, any other character we've ever encountered in a Star Wars story. And a part of me kind of likes that in a way because, yeah, it doesn't feel like she, she doesn't belong. She does not belong there. But that's also kind of cool. I mean, I, in a space-faring um you know, cultures, yeah, I'm sure there's people that never set foot on the planet and they're, you know, generally kind of protected and they're they're not shown, you know, the blood and guts of life. And then sooner or later, poof, they're like, they're thrown into the blood and guts. Well, well sure. I mean, they even show that in the uh, sequel trilogy. Think of The Force Awakens when uh, Han is flying uh, Rey to uh, Taco Donna and, and she made an off-color comment about the fact that she's never seen so much green in her whole entire life because her whole entire life has been evolved around a desert planet. Of course, she'd be mesmerized by seeing foliage and forests and rivers running in a place that's never seen that. You know, like Jakku or even Luke, in, in a sense. Uh, we didn't get that so much from Luke in the original trilogy because we were following the war, but... I'm pretty sure the first time he looked at Yavin 4, he was just as out of water uh, being from a desert planet as Ray was with Taco Donna. Mm-hmm. You know, so that, that type of wonderment, sure, I, I still follow it. But I had a thought and I wanted to pass by you here uh, mm-hmm. with, with your hollow feeling here. Outside of looking at uh, the Clone Wars version of Order 66 where we got to see, and I, this actually excited me. Seeing uh, Caleb Dune, a.k.a. Uh, Kanan Jarrus, uh, lose his master and escape, which set, totally sets up Rebels, by the way. You know, uh, but uh, outside of that little scenario, maybe part of the hollowness that you're feeling for this show so far is the lack of Jedi or Sith. Yes, I, I think that's a, a big part of it. And I wonder how much of that... <clears throat> was by design where they wanted the show to have this hollowness to it because 
that's what was going on. I mean, a horrible tragedy happened, and, um, you know, we have this crazy emperor who's literally trying to kill all the Jedi and all, all this. Basically, he only wants himself, himself and his Force-sensitive slaves. Right. And no one to question him, and no one with the ability or the training to confront him. And I mean, this is the world Palpatine was trying, the, the world, the galaxy, the universe Palpatine was trying to build. So it makes sense that in that period of time, there would be this horrible, intrinsic hollowness through everything. But I don't know if that is coming from my familiarity with the genre or if that's something that they somehow managed to build into the storyline. So any viewers out be really curious to um, hear if you have uh, a similar feeling about The Bad Batch, um, if you kind of sense that too about it, or if you feel something else about the stories um, so far. So I'd be really interested in, in hearing from other people. Well, I think, it, I think it's interesting that you say that because of the fact, like, uh, the, the thinking about, like, the, the lack of the Jedi uh, makes sense, and that's where we should have a hollow feeling because the Jedi have been wiped out, with the exception of a few stragglers here or there that we know storyline-wise, story you know, Obi-Wan and Yang Yoda going into isolation, uh, uh, Kanan, Kanan uh, escaping as a Padawan and going into hiding, same with Cal Kestis from uh, Jedi Fallen Order, the video game. They're all out, canon-wise, they're all out there in the universe hiding right now. So for all intents and purposes, in this set-up universe of the Bad Batch, the Jedi are gone. Uh, however, uh, I'm pretty sure that the sniper clone from the Bad Batch who, who, who decided that he a good soldier follows orders, mm-hmm. and with the setup of that one episode there, I'm pretty sure he's the first or at least the one that's going to cre- help create the Death Trooper, uh, which was obviously predominant in the uh, Rogue One movie. But uh, I think I think that setup is in place for that character. It makes me wonder, in this series, are we going to see the rise of the Inquisitors? The characters oh. that became popular in, in Star Wars Rebels, and of course in subsequent comics and, and, uh, and video games, where they were... Force sensitive, as you said, but they were basically like Sith acolytes without actually being Sith. So, rule two still being observed, there's still only two Sith lords, Sidious and and Vader. But maybe they start putting together their Inquisitor units. Uh, Maybe the Bad Batch has a has a hand in why the Empire even created the Inquisitors. Like maybe they start finding some of these hidden Jedi. Could be. Um, from what I understand about the characters, is that they're they're not Sith um, because they are literally forbidden to live the Sith creed. Right, right. They're they're not, they're, they're, um, they're dark they're, Jedi, for lack of a better term, but they are not Sith Lord Sith. Yeah, they're they're uh, well, they're Palpatine's creation. They're mm-hmm. his own cult basically and um my feeling on it that really there there is only two sith during this time in this area of the galaxy but it's not palpatine and vader i think it's palpatine and maul 
And the reason why, and I'm probably going to get some hate for this, but the reason why I think that Vader is not Sith is because he really had no interest in the dark side or becoming a Sith. And a Sith is more than just using dark side power. It's a whole philosophy. It's a way of life. Um, right. His, his, he, he his, was, his need of power was not for power's sake itself. It was, uh, it was to save Padme and, and, and his unborn child. Right. It was just for that and that alone. It had nothing to do with passion or freedom or any of the Sith Creed stuff. It was just solely for that. And I think um, he got, well, I think, I think psychologists could write papers on um, an analysis of the psychology of um, Anakin and how um, uh, manipulation works. But I think he had no help. He had no support. The Jedi Order were so self-centered around their own thing that when he went for help, he was basically told to just disconnect from what he loves and you're not supposed to love anyway and just suck it up. And that, I think that and Palpatine's um, gaslighting and other forms of manipulation just turned him into such a disconnected psychological mess coupled with getting his body burnt apart and being, um, you know, what, 50% machine. More than um, 50%, yeah, you're right. It just twisted And I think um, Palpatine never intended him to be an apprentice. Palpatine never intended anyone to be an apprentice. He just used that as bait. And there's actually some interesting um, hints to that in the um, the book of the Sith, right? Um, that actually talks about Palpatine saying that, um, well, I am definitely, you know, I'm not going to train people, I'm not going to educate people in ways that can be then used to overthrow me. You know, I'm I'm the one. I'm the one. Oh God, they had a name for it too. What was it? Um, the ones, the one Sith. But, but anyway, um, it's in the book of the Sith though. The the Palpatine sections and right. um, it talks about um, um, not predictions but um, premonitions yeah exactly the premonition thing and he basically baits people so before um, Vader there was um, there du- oh, there was Dooku and, and Dooku Maul and, uh, right and before Dooku there was Maul so he just goes from what he calls an apprentice, but really it's a patsy, from one guy, trains him enough to be useful. But when that person, like Maul, I suspect, started to you know, ask too many questions or was becoming too powerful, he would then go to the next person who would then more or less defeat the previous apprentice, like with what happened with Anakin and um, Dooku. Maul was a different case because he was hacked apart by um, a oh, Jedi. Obi-Wan, right. Yeah. Who, who was a Padawan at the time, by the way. He, he, but let, to, to be fair, Obi-Wan, although may have been to the point of a Jedi Knight, he was, he was still not given that honor. In fact, defeating Maul is what got him that, that, the honor of, of promotion. So in mm-hmm. technicality, Maul did lose to a Padawan. A highly trained Padawan, but a Padawan nonetheless. Yep. 
Uh, but you're 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 not wrong, and and I find this interesting because my understanding, my personal understanding of of Sidious, and I I'd never read the 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 book of the Sith, so you know I'm kind of ignorant to 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 the stuff that's there. Uh, but I've always looked at it even from the movie standpoint, without any of the other subsequent stuff involved. I always looked at Palpatine used Maul as a stepping stone to get to Tyrannus, and and which of course is Dooku, and Dooku's. Uh, was used to get to Anakin, but he was also used because of his usefulness in the fact that he was an aristocrat. He was uh, politically connected. He was able to be used to to incite the uh, the the Clone War with the the succession of the uh, independent systems. So it made sense that he was he. But I feel that his ultimate goal was always to get his hands on Anakin. And the reason of being is because the manipulation within the Midichlorians and the Force, he knew Anakin was the Chosen One, and he wanted the Chosen One on, on his side and controlled. When Anakin got his ass whooped by Obi-Wan on Mustafar and got put into the, the suit, and this is also in Legends, not, it's, I still think it still stands in canon just differently, but uh, even if you read uh, you know, uh, Sith Lord, uh, from the uh, Legends series, which happens directly after uh, Revenge of the Sith, the suit was purposely flawed to limit Anakin, so that way Anakin could not become more powerful than Palpatine. He wanted to control the Chosen One, but not have to worry about the Chosen One being able to overthrow him. Mm-hmm. So that's why like, people always ask, can Vader use Force Lightning? No. All the damage to his body and his suit, it would destroy him trying to use it. You know, he was purposely limited so he could not grow in strength and power. Yeah, I agree. And I think the whole fight with um, Obi-Wan versus Anakin and then um, Anakin being so horribly cut up. I think that whole situation was also another one of Palpatine's designs. He wanted Anakin to be ripped apart. Uh, but still be useful enough until um, Palpatine was done with him and would um, get him killed in one way or another and just replace him with a new person. And he just, I don't know if he really, um, well, first, I, I hate the midichlorian idea. Oh, my God, that's the worst idea in the entire genre. I, I know, but it's still, it, it's, unfortunately, it's canon, so we have to go with it. it basically, the manipulation within the Force to create the Chosen One. We'll call it that way and, and leave the M word out of it. Oh, it, it just, it hurts. It hurts. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't know if he would have, I'm sure he wanted Anakin because he was a very powerful um Padawan and Jedi from the beginning for for whatever reason we, you want to attribute to the force he, he was strong right but I think um, he would have taken anyone I think anyone who was in the situation where he could get his claws into them psychologically he probably would have jumped at it and I and the whole thing with Padme and how the Jedi Order was treating Anakin, it just completely created the environment that just made Anakin an absolute emotional lamb to, um, to Palpatine. Well, yeah, I mean, if you break it down to its essentials, the whole entire wrath and rise and wrath of Darth Vader was really a, 
like you said, psychologists can can tear this apart. It really was kind of uh, what happens when you don't treat PTSD. Vader was really a victim of PTSD. (laughs) There's no better way to describe it. I, yeah, I mean, he, he was a victim of everything. I mean, every horrible situation that you could possibly throw at a character, uh, I think it happened to him. And um, sim- kind of similar things happened to other characters where they lost loved ones and that sort of thing. But the thing about Anakin is he had ambition and he had drive and he wanted to do something to save people. He wanted to take action and protect people instead of just saying, well, that's the will of the force. Right. You know, and I, I think it was that um, energy that um, Palpatine really liked in combination to everything else because then he could just manipulate his emotions and his mind and how he thinks. Um, and then basically the guy became his own remote control cannon at that point. Well, right. Well, well like, like you were saying, uh, like you kind of alluded to, there's other people in the galaxy or in, in other stories outside of Star Wars who where people had the same, like, quite honestly, I was just like kind of chuckling to myself thinking if, if Vader existed in the Marvel universe, he'd be the Punisher. Um, <laughs> kind of very similar background, but the thing, the difference between Vader and and Frank Castle, for example, uh, is the fact that Vader had to deal with the manipulation of Palpatine, and as Ren was describing, he had no support group, nobody to put him in check, saying, "Nah, dude, this ain't the right way to do it." Even Castle had people that kept him on the straight and narrow, and kept, even though he's a murderous guy, he was doing it for the right reasons. You know what I mean? Uh, ju- moral justifications, where Vader just became more and more savage because the only person who was dealing with his pain was him in his own head. Mm-hmm. Nobody was was trying to nurture uh, and, for lack of a better term here, Anakin back out of Vader. Yeah, I, I agree completely. The only person who showed any kind of real vested interest and him and his pain and his worries was Palpatine. Until Luke came around. To, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. sure. even even Obi Wan, I mean, he had that he had that ultimate line. He's more machine now than man, twisted and evil. Even Obi Wan gave up on Vader. Yeah, and I think we see that a little bit. In Clone Wars, how the two seem to be tighter in the beginning of the series, and as the story went on. Um, I mean, granted, it was like uh, it definitely picked up very quickly towards the end. They're falling apart of their uh, of their um, bromance, if you want to call it. Um, but they just um, were not being supportive, really, of each other. And Anakin just got colder and colder and colder. And Obi Wan, I think he really had no idea how, what to do or how to deal with it because. You know, with the Jedi, it's like, well, you, you know, peace is a thing and you just have to accept that sometimes you're going to lose the ones you love, which really doesn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense because they are literally martial arts wizards that supposed to help save people. So uh, there's a lot of contradictory um, signals given in there. And um, I feel like they just 
in looking at the movies, it's almost like he was a whiny brat that nobody really wanted to deal with. And yeah, he was skilled and he was brilliant in his own way, but people just didn't like him because maybe because of his skills and his talent and his power people just kind of like well deal with your own shit pal you know you got all the you got all the cookies you know deal with you pull your shit together you know what's wrong with you um i kind of got that sort of vibe and meanwhile poor anakin who was basically a teenager um or shortly out of the teenage years you know 18 19 who just couldn't handle it um which is yeah, kind of like, which is kind of funny even and, and ironic because uh, the newest run of the Vader comics that's been going on with Marvel uh, has really been delving into the fact that you're right. Like the Jedi Order never cared about Anakin, never cared. Like Obi Wan loved him like a brother, of course, but most were did not want to deal with him. They didn't want to face the fact that he could or could not be the chosen one. They didn't know how to handle how powerful he was they were fearful of the fact that he was too old to train and recondition like most of the other jedis are you know so yeah there, there was always that disconnect between him and the other the other jedi knights however during the clone wars the people that loved and respected anakin the most were the clones yeah uh to the point that what they're delving into in the comics right now is like uh, one clone that was flying with uh, Anakin during the battle of uh, I, I want to I want to say it was uh, the, during the Clone Wars, the one where they had that super ship in the first season. Mm-hmm. One of the clones dies in this comic that was in that battle, uh, you know, part of Vader's troop now. And Vader actually reveals to him that he's Anakin. Mm-hmm. He he loved the trooper so much that he actually revealed the fact that he is actually Anakin Skywalker to the trooper before he dies, and and that was the the point that they're doing with that is that that's a big deal for for Vader because Vader considers Anakin to be everything that was weak about him at at this point. Yeah. Yeah, that he's dead. That he's dead. So revealing that is a very huge thing, but it also shows the love and respect that not only Anakin had for the clone troopers he served with, but how much love and admiration they had for him. Yeah, and I I think it's a shame that... um... Well, <laughs> that, I mean, they can't do it now, you know, because it would completely change the entire Skywalker story. But right. if Anakin had opened up to the clone troopers, you know, in my mind, I could almost see like a um, a campfire scene in some place, you know, like maybe a field or a forest or whatever. Maybe they're on a mission or coming back from a mission and they're hanging out by a campfire. Um and, um, you know, one of the clone troopers saying something like, hey, you know, uh, yeah, have a vibe about you, buddy. You know, what? what's the thing? You know, what gives? And um, Anakin just beginning to open up to the clone trooper about all the shit that's going on and about his fears and concerns. Because the cool, the interesting thing about the, the character type of Mandalorians and clone troopers and other very heavily warrior-ified characters, but without force powers, 
they know what it's like to be in some extremely scary life and death situations and have to deal with it without the help of supernatural abilities. Right. In it, right? So they have to rely on their tools and wits and their technology and their armor and their just their their melee martial arts skills, you know. And I think having to deal with that um that would put a very different bend on um, on that situation. Um, he would get it. You know, he would get that level of pain, that level of worry and, and emotional feeling um, that I think uh, a lot of the other Jedi, I'm sure they could feel it, but they weren't really allowed to express it. And Anakin... Um, wasn't going to open up to a Jedi. Right. You know, they, he just was, I think he was just slapped down too many times, you know, when he went to talk to Yoda. I mean, my God, that was painful to watch. I mean, that was as painful to watch as the scene with Vader cutting down the rebels in the hallway. That wasn't hard for me to watch, that part. <laughs> I loved that part. That was... <laughs> That was an incredible scene. To this, to this day, that that scene is only rivaled now to me. Is only rivaled by Luke doing the exact same thing in the Mandalorian. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that is like the greatest modern Star Wars sequences ever. <laughs> they were incredible. But uh, uh, but no, I get I get what you're saying. Like emotionally, it stung as hard as if I were to throw my own spin in the same movie. Yoda misinterpreting and and kind of slapping Anakin's concerns down to basically just oh, forget about it, don't allow yourself to be bothered by it, was as cringeworthy as the scene where Vader, the newly minted Vader, is taking down a Jedi temple and walks into the council chamber with all the children. Yep. I think it was that devastating because all of us, we know they didn't show anything. You know they didn't show anything. But you knew what that man did in that chamber with those younglings. And that's enough to keep you cringing forever. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I imagine it was kind of, the, for me, it was kind of the same deal when, you know, Yoda's Yoda's uh, pat on the back to Anakin when he's worried about Padme and everything else is to, well, train yourself to forget about it. Yeah. Just don't think about it. You'll be fine. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's terrible. That's terrible. I mean, that. It, it, talk about discounting. That's um, <laughs> a major concerns. Um, you know, and, and even with Padme. I mean, he loved Padme more than anything. Um, but she was so. Um, I mean, she wasn't a force sensitive, and to her his concerns about her safety was like, well, you know, you're under stress. You have to deal with a lot of crazy stuff. You know, you, you just have bad dreams sometimes, you know, don't worry about it. Right. <laughs> so, you know, and coming from her, I, I could understand it a little bit better than how Yoda treated him because in her world, she's a political person um, she doesn't have the force. She doesn't have that extra sense. So um, everything that she's experienced in her life, that what she knows, um, you know, she, people have nightmares and sometimes really horrible nightmares, but they're just dreams. 
you know, <laughs> so that that part of you know, of the character was really believable. Um, and but the way Yoda treated Anakin, I, I mean, a part of me is like it would not have gone down that way. Well, it raises a, a curiosity question at the time. You know, at the time, since we're digging into, and I know we've gone completely off topic, and yeah. just beforehand, I'll let you guys know we will get into the uh, the the rumor mills and everything else, but it may be in a part two because I do know uh, we're going to be ending this episode here relatively soon. Ren does have uh, some some personal things she needs to take care of, but we'll record part two later on tonight, so you'll get both episodes this, uh, tonight uh, as they're released. Just to let you know, uh, since we are kind of going down the rabbit hole at the moment. Um, <laughs> but I haven't forgotten about the other topics. Um, but no, you're, you're not wrong. And, and this, in this particular error where, you know, like where Padme, uh, yeah, she looks at things more practically because she does not know about the prescience of the Jedi Knights and, you know, how, how you could take meanings out of things like dreams or, or whatever else. Um, so yeah, she looks at it as just, you know, that's your own subconscious fears and everything else it's nothing to worry about and of course yoda on the opposite end of the coin and palpatine feed feeding his own little two cents in you know uh manipulating anakin the way he is it raises the question if anakin would have brought this to light to obi-wan if he would have brought to light that yes i i hooked up with padme yes we're married yes she's pregnant with my child and i'm having dreams of her dying in childbirth if Obi-Wan may have been the one to be able to keep Vader from taking that step over the line. Yeah, I, boy, I don't know. Um, Obi-Wan is a tough character to get a bead on. Um, because there are times when he seems very human and very reasonable and other times where he seems like he's just the Prince of Ice. Right, but at this point, again, at this point, you know, there's a bond and friendship between Anakin and Obi-Wan. There's a respect and a love there. There's a brotherhood that is there. Anakin hasn't betrayed yet, so Obi-Wan hasn't had the chance to step over, over you know, and say you you you're you're in Sith. You're dealing in absolutes. I've got to destroy you or be ordered by the council to do so or Yoda at that point to do so. So, would it be possible that at that particular central point, if if Anakin would have come to Obi Wan, would do you think Obi Wan would have turned him over to the council where he would have been ejected as a Jedi, or do you think Obi Wan would actually have been the mediator because of the love and affection that he had for Anakin? Um, I think wasn't wasn't there a part in the story where Obi Wan said I think it was a movie where Obi Wan said something about oh um it, it was in regards to Anakin about something Anakin was wrestling with and he said something about of how he wished um, Qui Gon was there because Qui-Gon would know what to do. Qui-Gon would have that kind of wisdom. Um, I think it was in the Clone Wars. It wasn't in the movies, but it was in the Clone Wars at least, or if not, if not, maybe a comic. But yeah, there, 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 there have been, I, I do remember conversations like that, just not in the main movies. 
Oh yeah. Oh, maybe it was the Clone Wars then. Um, and I think that that leads some insight into Obi Wan in that he really doesn't know how to handle it either. Um, but Qui Gon, who um, some would say was, um, um, I don't want to use the term gray, but um, more of a uh, uh-huh. dark. I'll allow it for the analogy, even though I stand against the gray Jedi. <laughs> but I understand where you're coming from. He he didn't follow yeah. the council's rules and codes. He 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 allowed passion, compassion in in what he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he more. He had more of the stuff it would take to deal with that level of problem. Um, uh, I just Obi Wan, yeah. I don't know. I and I don't think he would not have done it because he didn't love Anakin or anything like that. I think he just didn't know where to begin. That he just did not know how to deal with it and I would suspect that he would probably turn him over to the council because when you don't know what to do when you have a problem that's a big problem, well you let the council decide and then they tell you what to do. Right. Um but at the same time, there would be a point of compassion in Obi-Wan in this, uh, because as the Clone Wars fleshed out, Obi-Wan was in a very similar situation at one point with Duchess Satine. Now, granted, Obi-Wan chose the Jedi Order over her, but he had a love affair and was compromised in, in the quote-unquote quote, quote Jedi, uh, you know, Jedi Code in the fact that he did love Duchess Satine. And, of course, she shared that love. So he would, of all the Jedi, he would understand Anakin's infatuation and concern for, for Padme Amidala. Yeah, but this... The, the difference being Anakin wants to do something about it. Right. Like, Anakin wants to save her and... Um, his child. He wants to intervene. He wants to prevent her from dying. He wants to do well, or, or what the dreams were telling him that were going to happen to her. Um, I get the sense with Obi-Wan, even though he understands love, kind of his version of it, and that um, he loved as much as he was capable of loving. Um, if something threatened her and he had to basically throw the cards down, um, I don't think he would have intervened. It's, yeah. a, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thought process. Like I said, I would, I would definitely pit, pitch that to, uh, to our listeners in the comments section down below, what do you think? Do you think uh, Obi-Wan could have uh, changed the course of history had Anakin come to him? Or do you think uh, it would have just made the situation worse? <laughs> Let us know what you think in the comments section down below. But at this point, guys, I'm going to stop this recording because I know, uh, like I said, uh, Miss Wren has to go to handle some personal issues. And we will be back on later tonight for part two where we will get into the rumor mills and some to give you a preview of what we're going to be talking about. Uh, we are going to be talking about the, the promotion of Dave Filoni, uh, the rumor mill about uh, uh, Gina Carreno returning to... Uh, 
to Mandalorian and subsequently the uh, the what is it the Republic Ranger series. Mm-hmm. Yep. Republic. Uh, we are going to be talking about the Breed Larson rumor of her uh, coming to Star Wars as Luke Skywalker's wife. Uh, as well as a topic of conversation that Ren and I were just talking about, whether or not Luke Skywalker in three generations of Skywalkers, if Luke Skywalker wasn't the black sheep since every other Skywalker has turned to the dark side. So we'll be digging into those uh, those questions here later on tonight. You will get both episodes. This episode will already be up by the time we're recording the second episode, but you'll get that later on tonight as well. So make sure you're checking out with us, and of course check out all the other great podcasts of Breaking the Fourth Wall, including our weekly shows and, and the podcasts like you're listening to now. And of course if you prefer them in audio-only format, check them out on Anchor.fm, Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, or wherever quality podcasts can be heard. Ren, have yourself a good, uh, a good session, and I will catch you later on tonight when we return for some more Journal of the Jedi. Until then, have a good night, guys.